This week, I speak to Jaco Smith, a visually impaired South African athlete, about how he used all the adversity he faced to fuel him in his pursuit of excellence. We speak about his childhood and growing up under financial strain, and how the letdowns in life has forced him to become even better. Stay tuned, this is an episode not to be missed. Welcome to the Coached Success Podcast. This show focuses on what it truly takes to pursue a life of excellence. Each week, I speak to a guest who has come from humble beginnings but refuses to settle for less than a life where they are pursuing their best. We speak about mindset, overcoming adversity, and the importance of resilience. This is Kyle Daniels. I hope that you enjoy the show. So today on the call, we have Yako, Yako Smith. Yako, how are you doing, sir? I'm good and self Um, Excellent. Thanks for being on the call, Yako. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure to talk mm-hmm. to you. Thank you so much. Yako, do you want to tell us who is Yako Smith? Yeah, it's a long story. <laughs> so yes, I'm coming from a small town called Humansdorp in South Africa. It's a province called the Eastern Cape. And from, I'm a disability athlete, a class T12, 400 meters, 100 meters, and 200 meter athlete. So uh, where I come from is a rural area and it's not, a, it's not an easy uh, thing for me to grow up in a rural area, especially doing sports and with, this, with the little support that we, that we have from uh, the higher people in the, let's say in the cities and stuff like that. So it's not that easy, but I'm always striving to be a better person than I was yesterday. Awesome. I love that. I love the definition of how you explained yourself that, you know, um, yes, you grew up in a, a dorp. And for those of, for those of us who are not South African, who's not familiar with a dorp, is a dorp is a village. Um, and yeah, it might be rural and you have a disability, but um, like you said, you still competing um, with people who are able-bodied. You're still going out mm-hmm. there in every yes. single day and you are not, you, you are not being a victim to, you know what, the challenge that you've been given. Instead, you said, mm-hmm. how can I rise up to this? Speak a bit mm-hmm. about that. Speak a bit about the fact that, you know, um, you have a disability, um, how that has started as, you know, as a kid, how you have adapted to that disability. Yeah. Uh, before we go to that, let me just explain to you my disability. Maybe mm-hmm. people doesn't, doesn't know what I am, what my disability is. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a visually impaired uh, person. So I, okay. I've got, the, my condition is called retinitis pigmentosa. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so in, in uh, easy terms, um, I only got central vision and I'm not actually sure, but I believe it's, I think almost less than 50%. I normally doesn't want to measure it, but just that is just for my measurements. I think it's less than uh, 50% in what, what I have left. So I only have mm-hmm. central vision. My professional vision is totally gone. So, um, so you are visually impaired, like you said, right? Um, yes, yes. How do you think or how did you adapt as a kid growing up um, 
only have, say, the, the central vision and being limited on the, the peripheral element of it. You know, uh, as a kid, I used to do everything, let's say with the able-bodied guys, because as when I was growing, when I grew up, I was, I, nobody knew that I have this condition. They only found out in, let's say, when I was in grade, uh, I mean, in grade two. It's mm -hmm. uh, stand, stand, yeah, grade two. So that's when the teachers found out that I'm struggling to see on the blackboard. And, but I played rugby at school mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a very competitive rugby player. And when I, when I went to grade seven, when I went, no, when I went to grade eight in high school, I had to decide whether I'm gonna keep on with my rugby because I was a very good rugby player. So, and I think I, I wanted to, at primary school, I wanted to play like center and wing and fullback. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, in, in rugby, it's like they always pepper the fullbacks, the fullbacks mm -hmm. with high balls and the wings with high balls. So I needed, so I somehow needed to, to hide myself in the pack. So I ended up playing flank. So, you know, flank is more defending and Mm -hmm. like stealing the balls and those type of things. So I, I, I had, because I wanted to play, like I said, I wanted to play in the back line, but the back, it become too fast for me. So when I, when I, when I entered high school, I needed to decide what am I going to do? Because I, I could play soccer, I could play rugby, I can do athletics and I can play cricket. But in the cricket, the ball became a little bit smaller for me. Because I, I used to catch four high balls in cricket but then suddenly the ball is just disappearing in the sky. So mm -hmm. it, it also became a little bit dangerous for me. So then I decided that, listen, uh, the best thing that I think will suit me is athletics. So I'm in primary school, I also did athletics long distance. So I used to do 10 kilometers and 15 kilometers. I continued with that in high school. I did 21 case in high school. I did 5,000 meters, 3,000 meters, 1.5, 1,500 meters. So to, 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 to put it all in a nutshell is that for me, it wasn't a challenge. Mm -hmm. up, until, up until now, it's, it's not a challenge. The, the only challenge for me is uh, that uh, as a disability person, you also always need to prove yourself to able-bodied people that mm -hmm. you, you can also achieve what they can achieve. So that was the only challenge for me as a disability person. I always needed to prove myself, even though I'm the, I was one of the better guys, or let's say the better, even though I was, in, I was one of the better persons, whether it was at my workplace or I always needed to prove myself that I, listen, I can't do this. So they always mm -hmm. want to limit us. They always want to limit, limit the, the person with a disability. Okay, so, mm -hmm. go ahead. So yeah, that, that's basically that, that's basically one of the hardest challenges as a disability person. Yeah, I can imagine, like you said, you know what that um, people are always looking down at you and saying you are not able to do certain things because of your disability. Tell me a bit about yes. when you found out that you had um, that you were visually impaired. How did you actually take this? Uh, for me, as as you know, as a kid, you you adapt very quickly. So when it was a little bit embarrassing because now you you have to wear these big glasses and stuff as a kid. So now it's like kind of they are limiting you or the people were laughing at you because they not because they they're not used to you wearing glasses and now especially when the lenses is that thick. 
So they they were laughing at me and stuff like that. So I it was in the beginning it was a little bit embarrassing, but uh, I can tell you now that one strong point about me is I can adapt and I and I can cope with pressure. I've learned to cope with pressure mm-hmm. since since a little since I was a little boy. Whether it mm-hmm. was at my whether it, whether it was at my home or because like I said in the beginning where I come from. Uh, it's a very poor type of town, and job uh, job opportunities is very scarce. So my parents wasn't that fortunate to have like a kind of nice job. So like my mother is a domestic worker. My father used my father used to do, be a, a builder, mm-hmm. but he became sick. So things while I was a little boy, things was was very hectic at mm-hmm. home. So I remember I was still in, in primary school, like in grade five, grade four, I think. In old terms, it was standard two and grade mm-hmm. uh, standard three. So in the afternoon, I used to go out and ask for jobs, just mm-hmm. to pick up papers in the yard, and maybe the person would give me a five rand and uh, so I can buy a pack of sugar or a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. So, and that will not be for, for lunch, it will be for supper. So yeah. that's was the that's how I grew up. So it was very challenging. But like I said, I've learned to so I've learned to, to cope with pressure. That that learned to cope with pressure didn't start when I was in school. It started, it was starting inside my house. So mm-hmm. out there, out there for me, uh that wasn't uh, enough pressure they didn't put enough pressure on me to bring me down. So I, I've learned to cope with certain pressure. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Like you said, you know, that the fact that at a young age, you were disadvantaged in the, in the fact that, you know, um, your parents um, wouldn't make a lot of money and you needed to go out of the school as a young kid to go and actually, like you say, whether it's cleaning or do whatever it is to make some money to buy bread. That is a lot of pressure and responsibility to put on a young kid. But that allowed you to actually excel, to develop, to develop what I call, you know, a thicker care, a thicker skin, right? Um, to develop your character, yes, yes. to become strong, to know that, you know what, it doesn't matter what happens, I can get through it. And then when you found out about your disability, you were, oh, yeah, I'm under a little pressure by the people making fun of me, but this can't break me because I've been through worst, right? And that is powerful as the fact that, you know what, sometimes the, the hardships in our life, the adversity in our life, Right. If we all can consciously say, you know what, this this is actually crafting a superpower. It's giving me that thick skin, that callus to be able to go through difficulties in the future. So it's a win, yes, yes. even though at a young age you might you at like you said when you were in grade three, you you maybe wanted to play with your friends, but you didn't get that ability to play with them. But it yes. was something that's even better. Yes, so yes, yes. I, I really like that. I really like that. And you know, that is one of the core things that actually helps people is the fact that they, at a young age, they, they have a certain pain that allows them to become stronger, right? Instead of letting the pain become, make them weaker. Some people allow the pain to make them weaker. Others allow the pain to make them stronger. And those who allow the pain to make them stronger are the ones who are able to really, you know what, achieve what is what might seem as impossible, right? And like you said now, um, that you never ever accepted the fact that, oh, I'm 
disabled, so I can't do things that able-bodied people do. Instead, you say, yes. I'm here, and I'll show up, and I'll do it. Speak to me a bit about that challenge, right? The fact that um, you needed to work harder at it because you had a disability, and how you thought about it, how you framed it, and um, why you think that you are able to always, like you say, compete with able-bodied people, even though you have a disability. Uh, you, it, uh, you know, I, I became quite emotional when I when I talk about these things because sometimes you just have to keep it. Some of these things you just have to keep it for yourself. And sharing this with you, I, I can just it's just real love of what I've what I've mm -hmm. went through. And to look back and see where I am now, it's it's a very big achievement. And uh, for me. It's for me. I, I always want to prove myself. That that's it, it's it's not just that I have to prove myself to other people. I I like to challenge myself. Like I said in the beginning, I like to be better today than I was yesterday. So when somebody asks me how are you, I'm telling them uh, uh, better than yesterday, but not as good as tomorrow. I so I it. know that better things is yet to come. So. Uh, Let's let's just fast forward and where I am now is that I'm 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 currently training with the able body squad. Mm -hmm. So I, I am for the last four or five years I'm the only disability guy in my training group. And what I love about this training group is that they don't even though they know I have a disability, where they know they can help me in certain aspects in life, they will help me, but they don't treat me like mm -hmm. a person with a disability. So I will always tell them that, listen, like uh, for, for instance, I'm, I, I'm, I used to do long distance and now mm -hmm. I'm doing sprinting. I'm doing sprinting. So when we train, I always tell them, listen, I will laugh at you when I win one of you guys because, <laughs> because you understand? Know, because I always want to beat them. And when I beat them, they will hear it from me. So they, I've got a very competitive spirit inside of me. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think, that's one of the things that helped me is that is a competitive uh, uh, I'm, I don't want to say skill inside of me, but is that there's that competitive thing inside me that always want to mm -hmm. go out there and prove myself wrong that I can't do that. I like that. I like that. I really like that, Yako, the fact that you said, you know what, that um, you do even now you are training with able-bodied people, but you don't see yourself as any different. And that is very important for us. Because what happens most times is that even people, they might not even have a disability, but they see other people being better than them, being stronger than them, and they start putting themselves down, right? And there's something that we do with our mind is that, oh, I can't do that. Instead, what you're saying is, yes, you might have some reasons to say that I can't do that, but I'm still going to try. I'm going to challenge myself, and I'm going to get there, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be better every single day and work towards becoming better and stronger. So I really, I really like that. Um, I like that, and I also like the fact that you said, you know what, something that you don't usually speak about, how far you've come the journey. Um, and lots of people don't know that, that sometimes, you know, it takes a lot of pain, right? To go through a lot of fire in order to yes. develop that resilience, that relentless attitude, that willingness to break down walls, to break down barriers. It takes something inside of you. It's not simply, oh, I was born and 20 years later, 30 years later, I, I'm going to try to stop breaking on barriers. No, there's lots of things adverse that happen in your life. But that pain didn't make you better. You used it to make you better 
Yes, right? yes. Mm -hmm. And if I can just uh, tell you a little story is that uh, in 20, 2010, mm -hmm. I, I was working in a, in a, a supermarket, a butchery supermarket. Mm -hmm. And I was one of the best uh, workers there. And it, they end up, I end up retrenched. Mm -hmm. I, and I firmly believe that that was based on my disability. So because at that stage, there was no need for my retrenchment. If they, if they wanted to retrain somebody else, they could have retrained somebody else. But in my department, they needed me there. Mm -hmm. But I, I end up being one of the persons that had been retrenched. And at that stage, I was out of school. And uh, I didn't really thought about athletics and but during not, not thought I, I still had that belief that one day I still want to, to race again and things like that but the main thing that I wanted to say is that during that time amazing things started to happen when I got retrained so I firmly believe mm -hmm. that even though it wasn't part of my plan to get retrained it was God's plan Mm -hmm. because during that time when I was still working in the shop every morning, I decided every morning I'm going to put my safety boots on and jog the five kilometers. And then mm -hmm. in the afternoon, come back from my workplace, jog the five kilometers. Because I believe that I need to keep myself ready. I, in, in my mind, I, every time when I, when I do that jog in the morning, people were laughing at me and they say, you are crazy because you are, you, you're going to work now, but when you get there, you will be tired. Mm -hmm. And that supermarket, I also worked on the construction before the supermarket, but for me, the fact that I didn't have a gym, I didn't have money to join a gym, that was my gym, working in a supermarket, working on the construction. I firmly believe that this, I need to be ready. I don't know when. And then one day, uh, a lady called Gail Salia, she came on, on my path. And then because I, I, she know that I used to run at school and she used to come to my school to talk to the teachers about my condition. And mm -hmm. one day she asked me if I don't want to do a corporate challenge for uh, their company. And then I went there and I, I won the race, the five kilometer race. And then she asked me, uh, don't you want to start running again? And now I, at that stage, I still have my permanent job in the supermarket. Mm -hmm. and, and now I, I needed to make a decision and I didn't know that I was going to get retrenched at the end of that year so I, I needed to make that decision in I think it was in uh, October and I phoned and I tell her I think I should give it a go and then maybe a month later the retrenched list came out and I was on that list and still at that stage I didn't realize what was going on and when when I started, she, 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 she said, no, she's going to see if you can get me into a club. And, and that's where everything started for me as a disability athlete. What a story, man. What an amazing story. I really, I really love that story. The fact that, like you said, you know, um, you, you always knew that there's more there, right? And that the opportunity is going to come. You didn't know when, you didn't know how. But all you did is you said, all I'm going to do is I'm going to stay ready. I'm going to prepare every single day and I'll go on with my life. But what also is amazing is the fact that you said, you know, um, it's through getting retrenched, through facing adversity, through um, getting dealt a bad hand, 
that you actually got the opportunity to go and pursue the career, right? To go and pursue running. And that points to something that's very important. Sometimes, you know, we want something in life, but it doesn't happen our way. Sometimes it seems like there's, there's something going wrong in our life, but sometimes the, it's necessary for that thing to happen. We might not know why. There's pain attached to it, but if you dig through it, I eventually will discover that there's some real power in there. There's something that's opening up the door for you. There's a key in that. But some, but most of us are, are you know, we're too emotionally attached to the event, to the pain, to the fact that, oh, I got retrenched. Instead of saying, you know what, what does retrench mean for me? What opportunities is this unlocking for me? So awesome, really awesome story, awesome story. And then speak to me a bit about your biggest personal wins, Yako. Biggest personal wins. Mm-hmm. You see, yo, uh, I, I think my biggest uh, win uh, to date was my first, uh, my first race as a disability athlete. I have lots of wins as, as an able-bodied athlete. Mm-hmm. When, I, when, I still, when I still compete against able-bodied athletes. But my biggest, because as a little guy, when I was, when I was in primary school, I, I was watching the Paralympics. And I was wondering, with my condition, do they have vision impaired persons there? And maybe I could stand a chance one day to go to the Paralympics. So that dream was always there to, to run against people of my type. If mm-hmm. I can say it, call it that way. People with, with my uh, condition. And so that dream was always there. And I remember my first race uh, or my first provincial trial because I, I've, I did win the EP trials. Mm-hmm. The, the district trials when I went to my first uh, provincial trials and that was 800 meters and I, I remember I was in, in first place for the first uh, I think it was the first 600 meters and then in the last one meters a guy just fly past me mm-hmm. and he, he opened up a, a 20 meter a 20 15 20 meter gap between us and when I entered the last hundred meters, I could just see that guy in front of me. And I didn't know that it's only the first guy that's going to the SAC at that time because I was still new in the sport. And I decided I'm gonna go and push. And I end up beating the guy by a few split seconds. Mm-hmm. And I end up going to the national trials. But so for me, that was my, my opener. And that was mm-hmm. the race. But if I can call it my main race, that, that was opener for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah? But uh, the race that I will never forget is my first international race when I went to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And the pressure was on me because it's my first time in a, another country. And there's this type of pressure. And I want to qualify for the world champs. And so I'm not sure what to expect from the guys. So that was my first internet, and I I've, I've won that race because I remember when I when I went to the starting lineup, I, I I think they were speaking in Swiss language. So I was we were standing next to the track, and the guy said that uh, you can set your blocks. And I didn't understand what he was saying. Mm-hmm. So I so I was just I was standing and chatting to one of the officials, and asked. I, I can't remember what the conversation was, but 
when I when I looked onto the field, now you, you can remember I don't have a peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. I couldn't catch what's going on on the field. So I was just standing there, and when I saw the guys, uh, the, the official was saying on your marks, and I was still standing next to the field. And so I, I was like, listen, just be calm, because now the race is about to start, and I haven't even set my blocks up. So and and I know some of the rules. So if the race only starts when you say on your on your when you say set, mm-hmm. so I I just uh, act like this was part of the plan. Though I know I, <laughs> I'm not I'm not in line. So I went gently take my blocks, put the starting blocks in, and set the blocks and do do a run through. Although you already said on your marks, I did a run through, and come back to my blocks so that's when i knew that listen you are in con- this guy's sitting on the marks and i'm i'm just standing here running out of the blocks so this is already i'm in control of this race i felt in mm-hmm. control from the before the before the race and within the first 150 of the 400 meters i knew that this is my race so that was one of the races yeah i think mm-hmm. the first 400 meter race and from there, it just went from from uh, it just went from better to better. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. I like that. I, I like the fact that you said, you know, what you just kept your cool. And once again, that that element of being able to have been gone through all the adversity as a young kid, like you said, um, and been able to deal with all that pressure served you, right? Because now you were like, okay, yes. let me just pretend to like everything is fine. And um, so that's really powerful. So I like that. Um, tell me quickly. So when you, like you were saying, um, when you, for example, saw the guy that's in front of you and he's already, you know what, going 15, 20 um, meters in front of you. Yeah. Um, how do you tap into, because at that point, right, it's not just your physical ability. It's that mentally you need to say, you know what, I'm coming for you. What do you tell yourself in a moment like that to turn that switch on to say, no, you're not getting away from me. I, I firmly believe that there's nobody on this planet that trains as hard as I do. So I believe if you beat me, you should train harder than me. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, I will test you until the last meter of the race. And if you beat me, you're better than me. Mm-hmm. So I, I firmly, that day, I firmly believe that, listen, for 600 meters, I control the race. I was dictating the race. And when he passed me, he passed me with a hell of a speed. Mm-hmm. So and and I know in 800 meters, if you if you if you uh, keep your pace for too long, I mean if you if you try run on a high tempo for too long, you you somehow you will get lactic in the race during the race. It might be in the last 300 or the last 150 of the race you will or the last 100 you will start feeling the lactic. And I knew that I was running at a high pace in front. So for him, to, in order for him to catch me, he needs to put in a top gear. So when he started speeding from the 200 meter mark, I, I, I maintained my pace and I knew that I still have another gear mm-hmm. somewhere in me, somewhere in me, but I don't know how it's gonna come to because I'm also tired now. And when he was, when the commentator was cheering for him in Corsa because he was a Corsa commentator, mm-hmm. I knew, he, I knew he, that it was a local commentator, so they are cheering for him. And I turned that, I didn't take that as a negative. I turned that, I used that uh, 
cheer. I, I thought like, listen, let's let's say this people is cheering for me now. Let's let's mm-hmm. let's when everything started, yeah. And it, the louder they cheered, the more energy they gave me to mm-hmm. go for this guy. So and when when I eventually came within two meters, he ran in front of me. He ran into my lane, and then I had to. It's like I have to sidestep. One, two, mm-hmm. one, two, one, two, and then when he looked right, I was on the left side, and I, then I passed him. So it was that, like I said, is that thing that I knew that he is not. The lactic is keeping up, and if I put keep on pushing, putting pressure on him, eventually he will fall because I know that it's not the, it's not easy mm-hmm. to to keep to, to run in front and maintain that speed for a long time. You need to train to do that. So I. And I know that my training was specifically built, they, they, my body specifically built to do that uh, because of my training. Mm-hmm. So I knew that, yeah, I knew that, that, that this is my day. If, mm-hmm. if, I want, if, if, if I want to make a career of this, this is my day. So, and at that stage, it was for me, it wasn't just an essay trial. It was, it was like an opportunity to prove to the people who, who support me that, I can win a race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had to prove not to, to just to myself, but to the, all the people that was my supporters that listen, I can do this. So yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't just the, just, just the race alone. There was a lot of emotion that goes with it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And you know what you mentioned there is the fact that these you knew that the first of all your training gave you the edge, so you were so confident in your ability that, listen here, I train, I'm one of the hardest trained athletes here. Nobody's going to get me down, right? That already gave you the mental edge. And when you saw that guy going, you knew that I'm going to put the pressure on you. You are going to get tired. And the fact that, like you said, you prepared. So that gave you the confidence. The second part is the fact that you are used to the pressure. You used to the pressure. So you are willing to push it through. But the lastly, the last point was the fact that you said, you know what, you're hearing the audience cheering. And instead of you letting it bring you down, you said, no, this is going to raise me up. This is pushing me up. They are cheering for me. Let me go. Right. Yes. And that is powerful. That is us taking or you taking everything that the world has given you and using it as your fuel to get over the, fir- the finish line first. Yes. And that's powerful. Yes. That's powerful. Yes. Yako, um, thanks for the conversation. As a concluding question, tell me, um, I know that um, you wanted to go to the Olympics last year. Let's speak a bit about the fact that you never made it to the Olympics. Um, how do you handle that? And what's next for you? Uh, you know, and to, to, to went back in 2019 when I went to the World Champs. It was my, it was my first World Champs and I, I fall out in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that I'm, I haven't reached my peak yet. Mm-hmm. So, and in 2020, when when it when the lockdown came in, I was ready last year for the nationals. I was ready to run the time last year at nationals, and then the lockdown came in, and then we all you know what happened during the lockdown. So it was in South Africa. It was a level five lockdown, so nobody was allowed to you to leave their homes and. So it was very tough, but I like I like you just said, I use I like to use negativity as fuel. Mm-hmm. So last year I personally, and I'm quite certain, I, I, I no disrespect to any other athlete. 
But I believe that last year I was training like a beast. Mm-hmm. And even though for me, they didn't feel like I left, I've left the track for one, even though I didn't train on the track. Because for me, it's, for me, it's very difficult not to train on a track because the track is my guide. So the lines on the track is my guide. So I, mm-hmm. I need to train on a tar road. And so I put a heck of a lot of training because I knew I have an extra year to prepare now for the, for the Paralympics. And this coming this year, uh, because we are, we are preparing for the Olympics, your training program is changing towards the Olympics. So mm-hmm. you need to put certain things into place for, in order for you to peak at the right time. So uh, there was supposed to be an Olympic trials for us in August. In, I think it was in August, uh, no, in July. There was supposed to be an Olympic trials. And there was also Grand Prix in South Africa that we needed to, to take part in. So me and coach, we have decided that listen, the, for, for us, we think that the Olympic trials is the main thing now. Mm-hmm. The Grand Prix, we, we, can, we can get the race fitness in, and, but the Olympic trials, because we, we wanted to, to peak uh, at the, uh, the Grand Prix so to run the qualifications. And then they said, no, there will be Olympic trials. So it, it set us not back a little bit, but we had to adjust the training program according to the Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. And then they end up not having the Olympic trials. And then we were like, we'll see what's going to happen now. And then when they announced uh, the team, unfortunately, my name wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It was devastating because I, I couldn't believe why my name is not there. And because we, if you look back in the last four or five years, the, the amount of work that we put in for this. Uh, Paralympics and suddenly now your name is not there for me it was like it's unfair it, it felt unfair and mm-hmm. then I had to sit then I had to sit back and and think uh, because I remember in 2016 I was in 20 I think it was 2015 I was on the short list for the African Games and I didn't make it and if I look back from 2016 to where I am now. Maybe that was a blessing for me not being there because maybe if I went there, I wasn't going to perform to my full potential. Mm-hmm. And But this year, I firmly believe that this was my time. That's why mm-hmm. I was saying in one of my posts that I firmly believe, I'm not going to say that this wasn't my time, but uh, I can't, just throwing things, uh, stones around to, it's your fault, it's your fault. No, because like, I'm not in control of the selection panel. I can't, mm-hmm. They know what they want. So for me, it was a big disappointment, but at the same, in, to say in the same breath, it is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just taking the, like I said, I'm taking the negativity, normally I take the negativity as fuel. Love so this, this is just another, stepping stone for me to mm-hmm. prove myself to prove to 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 the selectors that I'm worthy I'm worthy of being as I'm worthy of co- being called a South African athlete or a South African representative because that's what I am I've represented South Africa at the world championship in 2019 so I know that now I must work harder 
Mm-hmm. I had 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 them before, and uh, I've listened to a lot of motivational speaking. Speaking, and one of the things that normally that I normally use in my when I do motivational speaking is the wolf on top of the hill is never as hungry as the wolf climbing the hill. So you must always be that wolf climbing the hill. So it, that alone is is fuel for me. So mm-hmm. for those for those guys who win the Paralympics this year, they mustn't think that they're on top. They can just relax now because I'm coming. I'm coming I love it. Them. So, yeah, so like I said, um, I don't back down from a challenge. I believe successful people never back down from a challenge. They should, they should normally they, they, they're looking for those challenges. So mm-hmm. that's me always, always out there looking for a challenge, looking at my weak points and see where I can prove in my weak points and, and maintain the strong points. Yeah, that's me. Powerful, powerful, Yako. Um, and once again, like you said, even though it was a disappointment, the fact that you weren't able to make it to the Paralympics, at least this is giving you that extra boost, that extra set of fuel, because the negativity of it, it's just going to go in your tank. It's going to make you work harder, prepare even better, and so that you can actually get to the top of that hill. And I'm really looking yeah. forward to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Next week, next year is Commonwealth Games, so the main focus now is Commonwealth Games, and then after Commonwealth Games, there's another World Champs. So I, I believe you, sh- you can look out for me in Commonwealth Games. Awesome, man. Awesome, Yako. Awesome. Yako, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to share your journey with us and um, enlighten us with, like you say, your energy and how you've turned your adversity into your advantage. Yes. Yeah, and I just wanted to take this opportunity just to say thank you to all the people that's supporting me and especially the people in the disability sector in the Eastern Cape. I just want to say thank you for the support and it's highly appreciated, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Yako. Thank you very much. Uh... Thank you for tuning in. Please share this episode with anyone looking to maximize their life, as this will help us to continue growing the Coached Success community. In addition, connect with me on Instagram or Facebook and tell me what you enjoyed most about today's show. Links to Facebook and Instagram are in the episode description. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next week, stay winning.